Thank you all for singing that song. That song is so special to me. I wasn't there at that particular meeting. It was in Washington, D.C., but I was at a lot of them that year, and I have such memories of being there, humbling ourselves before God. Ladies and gentlemen, if we want God's hand to be on our nation, we have to humble ourselves. You know, God doesn't salute our flag. We salute his. Amen? And I want to see God move. And what I'm going to preach to you tonight is something that's pretty much been in my wheelhouse the last several months of my life in ministry. I'm doing my best to learn how to pray. And if I just asked tonight, I wonder how many of you would say prayer is something I struggle with. Would anybody agree with that? What we're trying to learn here as we talk about things like prayer journaling and spending time with God on a regular basis, we're talking about developing the relationship we have with God. You see, sometimes in church life, we look at the relationship with God to be something we do on Saturday night or Sunday morning or Wednesday. But if you're going to have a good relationship with God, it's going to take more than just a couple of days a week or a couple of hours a week. And prayer is that moment when we get to walk into the presence of God Almighty based upon the death of Jesus Christ. And in His name, we can approach Him. And I think some of our prayers, frankly, might sound a little bit, for lack of a better word, wimpy. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? A lot of times we pray things like, God, you know, hey, God, if you're kind of listening, God, maybe, maybe you're listening, maybe not. And I want to give an example of something God showed me some weeks ago that has changed the way I pray. And I want to leave it with you tonight. I'm calling it next level praying. Next level praying. Now, I will say to you tonight that if you're interested in learning to pray, and if you're interested in a relationship with God, this message can be life-changing to you if you choose to receive it tonight. But I want to talk to you concerning the story of Abraham praying for Sodom. And as I look at the story, I see a lot of similarities in what Abraham was dealing with and what we're dealing with today. Y'all remember Genesis 19, God destroying Sodom and Gomorrah? And most of us here would say, yeah, well, we know why God did that. Maybe you do and maybe you don't. We can look at Sodom and Gomorrah and we say, yeah, the sexual immorality was incredible. But it wasn't just that. It was also a violent, violent place. So as we look around our country, is sexual immorality everywhere? Is violence everywhere? Is unrest everywhere? It seems to me like we need to learn to pray. And when I look at what's going on here in this story, and I'm going to take from my text, Genesis 18, verses 16 through 19, when Abraham was pretty much face-to-face -face with God. I'm not sure how it looked. But God showed Abraham what he was about to do, and Abraham began to pray about what God had told him. And in Genesis 18, verse 16, said, the men rose up from there and looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. Then the Lord said, this, I don't know how exactly this looked, 
But it looks like Abraham was seeing a person, a form of a person, and knew it was God. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. Here's what I saw there. There is a relationship with God and Abraham, and instead of the way I pray sometimes when I go in and say, God, what are you doing? God is literally saying, shall I hide from my friend what I'm about to do? Can anybody here say that you're on that relationship and that kind of level with praying with God? You see, the Bible talks about Abraham in James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse 23, the Bible says, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. The friend of God. God is saying, shall I hide from Abraham? Shall I hide from my friend what I'm about to do? Ladies and gentlemen, a couple of side notes before I get into the main thrust of the message tonight. First, personal prayer is based on a real relationship. Prayer is not just throwing something in somewhere and hoping it gets through the ceiling. Personal prayer is based on a real relationship. And you might say, well, Abraham was God's friend, and we can't be God's friends. Did you not hear Jesus say, I have called you my what? Friends. You see, if we look at prayer as something to be dreaded and to be avoided, we're missing the greater idea that God is literally inviting us into his presence because he likes hanging out with his friends. I would also say this about this prayer. Your prayers will be personal before they will be powerful. We want to pray powerful prayers. Preachers like to preach powerful messages. But the way to power is personal. Faith in God. Personal. And there are some big problems going on in the life of Abraham and, and in the life of some of his family because maybe you don't know it, but Abraham's nephew Lot and Lot's family are in Sodom and Abraham is hearing what is about to happen. And ladies and gentlemen, it was a big problem. And big problems require personal petitions to solve them. Look, the time is far spent for the church to be completely inward focused where we're so concerned with how we're doing things and whether or not we're taking care of the personal things of the church and ignoring what's going on in the culture. One thing that matters to me and something that I've learned is that God didn't call me to grow a church. God called me to seek first the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God is being sought, then God grows the church. And when the church is growing and the blessing of God is in the, in the culture, then the culture begins to change. And it's far past time, Christians, for us to look at this culture and just ignore it. And hide in our little places and hope something gets better. May it never be. It's been too long. And I will go out and say this tonight. That what's happened in 2020 has been coming from darkness and it's directed against the church to get us to disconnect 
and to get us to not seek the Lord all while we think we're making ourselves safer. It has not worked, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just testify to you tonight. You're sitting in a place right now where we believe Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, is our healer tonight. We believe that God is the one that determines our steps. We're not walking around afraid of what might be lurking out there. I can't see it, but I can see God. As far as I know, over seven months, there's not been one time that the plague has entered into this sanctuary. Praise God. And so whatever's happening out there, needs to be affected by who we are. We're not sitting on the sidelines watching the scorecard, watching the game play out. We are to be those that are affecting culture. And as we see this thing with Sodom, we see first a distress call. A distress call. I'm not going to read all the scriptures from this story in Genesis 18, but I want to give you the outline. And basically what you see in Genesis 18, 20 through 21, the Lord said the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. This is what's happening. The word for outcry, if you look it up in the Hebrew language, it means a distress call. You see, sometimes we look at the culture and we see all of the violence, we see all of the sinful things, and we say, well, that's bad out there, but what's happening in the mind of God and in the ears of God is God is hearing a distress call from this country. As sin permeates our culture, God hears it, and the distress call had made it to God. God said to Abraham, I have heard this. Two things about it. He said the Outcry of Sodom is great because the sin of Sodom was grave. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no such thing as sinning in a small way. You might say, well, I'm not a grave sinner, but if you continue to practice sin, you will be. The nature of sin is that it constantly progresses you and gets worse as you go. And far too long, people in the church have played with sin. And ladies and gentlemen, it's affected our world. Sometimes we look at the culture and we look at our life and we say, you know, sin looks like it's fun and it looks like people are enjoying their unrighteousness. But I would say this today, that sin only delivers distress and sin produces death. There's not one time that you've disobeyed God that it's worked out well. Somebody say amen right there. Sin doesn't bring something to your life, something good to your life. Sin always brings you down. And as we look at the world today and we see what God saw in Sodom, this distress call had come up to God. And then we see the determination of a righteous judge. You see, you might fake it here in this church service tonight, and you might fake it in your workplace, and you might fake it at home, but you will never fake it before a righteous God. God can read our hearts. And in the story, when God is talking to Abraham, he says, I will go to see if they have done according to the outcry. I love that. God is saying, I've heard about what's going on, and I'm going to go down and see it for myself. Now, what if God said, I've heard about your life, and he's coming in tonight, here in the middle of October, to look at your heart and see it for himself? What would he find? 
Now, Abraham heard what God was going to do, and Abraham knew what was about to happen. He knew what was going down, down in Sodom, or Sodom. And so Abraham begins to dialogue with God. This is called intercession. And if you've never prayed this way, it's time to learn. You see, in our world right now, we know of people who maybe have walked away from God. We know of people that are not doing well. And, and instead of interceding on their behalf, we use the spiritual gift of talking negatively or gossip. Which is as useless as anything you could ever do. Ladies and gentlemen, there is power in intercession. And I want us to learn how to intercede the way Abraham did. He began to talk to God and began to ask God questions. Now, let's just ask you tonight, what kind of questions do you ask God? I know the kind of questions I ask God mostly look like this. God, why are you doing it like this? Anybody else do that? God, did you not see what so-and-so did to me? <laughs> Abraham didn't ask those questions. You know what he did? In 18, uh, maybe we can put the phrases on the board, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you what it is. Abraham said to God, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Wow. Can you imagine praying that way? I mean, it's easy for any of us to look at what's going on and get good, good and hopping mad about what we see in the world today, Right? Look, if you don't get angry at seeing unrighteousness and violence and all the kind of evil that's going on today, then, something, then maybe your heart's not even pumping tonight. But Abraham didn't focus on who was doing wrong. He said, God, would you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? He said, will you destroy the city if there are 50 righteous people there? Think about that, the audacity of asking God something like that. And then Abraham, he pushes it a little bit. He makes some assumptions. Here's what he said. Far be it from you to slay the righteous with the wicked. Have you ever thought about praying that way to God? God, far be it from you to slay the righteous with the wicked. It's in there in Genesis 18. You can read it for yourself. And he, and he said, you're a just God and you will judge fairly. <laughs> I just... Never, until I really looked at this, I never thought about praying like that. I never thought about going back to God and saying, God, you're just God. God, you're going to do what's right. In fact, most of my questions have been centered on God. I don't think you're doing right. Are oh, y'all going to look at me like I'm the only one? Anybody else want to say, yeah, that was me this morning? I mean, God, you will always do what's right. You see, Abraham knew God to the point that he knew God would do what was right. Do you? He made some assumptions. How will you make assumptions about God tonight? We have his word. We have his word and his promises. And God can never lie. So you have questions, you have assumptions, and then here comes the answer. God said, if I find 50, I won't destroy it. Oh, man. If I got that answer, you know what I'd do? I'd go on a campaign to find 50 people down there. The only problem is there wasn't 50. And so Abraham pushed it a little more. 
Can you imagine this? This is where next level praying comes in. Abraham says, I have now, this is in verse 27, I have now ventured to speak before the Lord. He's not going, God, you have messed up. God, I don't understand why you've done what you've done. Abraham is still very respectful before God, but he says, I have ventured to speak before the Lord. I've got something to say. What was it, Abraham? He said, suppose we lack five. Would you do it for 45? God says, I won't destroy it for 45. So Abraham continues to push it more. And he says, behold, I have ventured before the, to speak to the Lord again. And then he says, and I am nothing but dust. Suppose there's 40. God says, I won't do it for 40. What would you do? Let me go find 40 people. But Abraham is going, this is working. I'm going to keep venturing before the Lord. You see, sometimes I think when we pray to God, we're afraid to be bold in our prayers. Because maybe God's going to be angry. But you know what? God doesn't get angry with people who are reverencing him and respecting him in prayer. And Abraham knew something about God that maybe we don't know. And so it went on. It went on to 30 and then to 20. And then finally Abraham's like, I am venturing to speak before the Lord one more time. One more time. One more time. God, if I find 10. The Lord said, I will not destroy the city on account of the 10. Wow. Next level praying has three R's. I'll give it to you. First, we revere God. You can't go next level praying if you don't respect God, period. When you approach God, we are dust, he is God. Never forget that. Secondly, we remember who we are. We're not here to just change him. We're here to line ourselves up with him. And he is a person who has told us that we can pray. Have you never read in the New Testament where the Bible says we can come boldly before the throne? When we pray, we can go right into where the Father is in the name of Jesus. We revere God. We remember who we are. And then we risk it. He said, let not the Lord be angry with me. Don't let the Lord be angry with me. I'm just dust, but I'm going to speak. I'm going to push it. I'm going to risk it. Ladies and gentlemen, if we want to see big solutions, we've got to get better with our praying. There was a compassionate answer from God. He said, I will not destroy it on account of the ten. Ladies and gentlemen, the problem of Sodom was not a problem of their sin. Hear what I'm saying? The problem of Sodom was a lack of righteousness. Ten righteous people would have stopped it. Let me ask you. Are there ten righteous people in this building? Are there ten people in Metropolis that can pray for Metropolis? Somebody would say, well, God went ahead and destroyed Sodom. There wasn't ten. 
I was talking to my mentors about this this afternoon, and he was, we were kind of talking back and forth, and he's like, well, maybe, you know, and he's like, well, God was probably going to do it anyway. And then he said, no, it does. It says, God says, I will not destroy it on account of the ten, but there couldn't be ten found. How about you tonight? Oh, what's wrong in our country is what we see in Wisconsin right now. What's wrong in our country is what we see in D.C. right now. What's wrong in the country is what we see at the convention headquarters. No, it's not. What's wrong in the country is there's a lack of righteousness in our country. Because where righteousness is, the blessing comes. God says, I will not destroy it on account of the ten. Ladies and gentlemen, we pray for big outcomes during big problems. And tonight we shall learn to pray in a personal way. We're going to pray for our churches. We're going to pray for our community, our city. We're going to pray for our country tonight. And might I say tonight that we will pray persistently and we will participate in the solution. How do you do that? Let's be one of the ten. We sang the song a few moments ago. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Now what do you notice about that? It didn't just say pray. It said humble themselves. What does it look like to humble yourself tonight? Well, humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. You know what we call that? We call that repentance. What is repentance any, either, anyway? Repentance isn't just saying you're sorry. Repentance is a total change of your mind. Whereas I was going this way, now I'm going to go this way. And you know what's wrong in our country? We've got a lot of folks who name the name of Jesus who are in bed with sin. And we want God to take the mess and make the mess work out better. And God's not going to do that. If you're going to see something change in your life, you have to repent. If you're, going to have to, if you're going to see something change in your marriage, you have to repent. If you want something to change in your city, we have to repent. We say, well, our leaders are corrupt. We're the ones that put them there. And we think that we can live corrupt and put corrupt people in charge and somehow it's going to make things all better. Can I tell you something? No matter who wins the presidency or the mayor election next year, if the church doesn't get right, we're not going to see the blessing of God no matter what. God doesn't ride the backs of donkeys and elephants. He's the lamb of God who took away the sin of the world and far be it from us tonight to say to coddle sin and to get in bed with sin it's time for us to repent and I'm going to ask the band to get ready to come we're going to sing a song together and we're going to have a time of prayer together next level praying is what revering God remembering who we are and we risk it before we can be one of the ten, we need to repent. I love tonight that during our worship time, a couple of our men, a couple of our leaders came forward and bowed before God. When's the last time? Listen to me. Don't, don't get distracted right now. Listen to me. When's the last time that you've done that? 
just humbled yourself before God. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face. What does it mean to seek my face? It means that I want God more than anything. I want God more than my retirement. I want God more than my new house. I want God more than my 401k. I want God more than the better job. I want God more than anything else. You see, we have lived in prosperity so long that we've elevated the prosperity to being the blessing of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the blessing of God is His presence. And throughout all of what's going on this year, one thing that I can tell you, and it's been tough on me just like it's been tough on you, but one I think I can tell you is that God's presence has been here. Our church has been in revival in the last three or four months. We baptized more people this year than we have in the last three or four years. Is it because we're doing good things? No, it's because God is honoring His people. And so here we are. The 1st of October, it's time to humble ourselves and pray. Turn from our wicked ways, seek His face. And the Bible says, according to His word, that He will hear, He will heal, and He will forgive us tonight. Who needs that tonight?